Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. But they they are Riedel. That has- I believe it's Riedel. Okay. Now this is a is that what is that what the glasses in the basement that have been in the basement ever since they were moved from your room? Now I'm thinking I got to sell these glasses because we we must have multiple boxes. But I, that's why I thought they were in like a box of six or eight. We also have the champagne glasses, the flutes. If you're interested got in breaking those. some of those, no, I've got those. Well, you when you say we have them, where are they physically? <laughs> they are physically in a house that is in our name. And by our name, I mean probably still in your house. (laughs) (laughs) The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. To clarify from John C. Riedel in Danville, Arkansas, I can confirm the pronunciation of Riedel. It is like needle, but with an R. I've been called many names during my life, not all of them complimentary. (laughs) FYI, I don't have any interest in the wine glass business to my knowledge, but do have a German heritage. Fingers crossed that some long-lost cousin finds me and sends me a box of that. So that's great. He's from the Chambers Bank in uh, Danville, Arkansas. I appreciate that. All of this talk about the wine glasses, I'm having flashbacks to my early days of marriage with the in-laws where I'd be grilling and we go inside and Chan just goes, would you like a glass of wine? Go get one from you know the, the display case. And right. there's countless, there's orbs, there's sort of tulip-rimmed glasses, and he goes, just pick up an everyday glass. I'm like, every day for, for who? Like, Right, every day for I'm, the king of England. I've like, been walking with the wrong glass. Yeah, no, but that's scary. That's scary. Well, that's one of the ways that they test to see if you're a good son-in-law, to see which glass you pick out. And because they have a whole list of things that they consult to say that there are four characteristics of the person who picks out glass A, B, C, D, E. That's how that works. We solve that problem by breaking all the glasses and not having any. You and learn, ask people you to take a paper cup. Ira. Yeah, it just breaks everything. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> so I was going to spend a lot of time talking today about the Nats uh, in, the, in the open. How the Nats don't hit at all. Schwarbaum. They, they don't hit. With Schwarber being moved up to the leadoff spot, he's got some hits, but he's still batting 225. Bell doesn't even play anymore because he can't hit. Robles, the worst hitter in the league. He has five RBI in the entire season. He strikes out all the time or hits into a double play. How's Michael A. doing in Kansas City? Uh, he's doing he got pretty good, I think. He got off a great start. I'm not sure what I don't he's doing know. now. Josh Harrison, who had no hits in the entire month, got some hits yesterday in the last couple of days, so I'm not as down on him as I was before. But what I was going to do at great length is talk about, honestly, how terrific the pitching was from nobody who was a star, nobody who you expected anything from. Eric Fetty, Jeffrey Rodriguez, who'd just been called up from the minors, Joe Ross. Espino. Yeah, the, the bullpen game because Scherzer got hurt the other night, and the pitching had been great. If they could hit, it would be fine. But I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about that, though I'm happy. I am happy with the split with the Giants. Right, you're playing a first-place team, which is important, and a first-place yeah. team in a real division. But yeah, you with three look really at, good teams. You look at Phillies, who just the way the, the, way they the schedule lineups, they get three against the Yankees. Win them all. Win them all. Um, Robles, seriously, can't, you, you can't. You know, I know he's a great fielder. I get that. He even catches the ball when it hits the wall first. and But he can't hit. <laughs> he can't hit. I mean, often when and you bat him ninth, feeds negated because he doesn't get on. He doesn't get on, and when he does get on in the tenth, he, he makes a base running mistake. Um, you bat him ninth because you don't have ten players. <laughs> That's why you're batting <laughs> him ninth. Anyway, but I was going to do all of that, and I'm not doing that now because I want to talk about a golf tournament uh, that Michael was in. Oh, is this the Palmetto Championship? No, that was what a gag fest by the two leaders by Headley and English what a gag fest Headley easily wins that tournament ends up going to a small left-handed South African kid who just came over from Europe that nobody knows in the United States and he, he posts a pretty good number 11 but he figures he's going to lose by three or four or five and he ends up winning the tournament because the people in front of him collapsed bogey, including bogey, DJ bogey. including DJ with a triple on one hole no it's Dustin interesting Johnson. I believe that hole was my my memorable hole out there where i drove the edge of the green and had a nice easy two but the uh the 15th and i was thinking about this you have the lefty and so many of the holes out there particularly the par fours set up for a little bit of a left right play so i don't know how he played it but i imagine if he had a tight draw rolling on those hard fast fair fair, fairways that would work out pretty well pleased you to see a course you had played on congaree it looked so different and and some of that's probably just because it's june and you have the grass is fully grown in and it doesn't it still has some of the brown to it I told people, I wrote little texts to people that if, if 
we colonized the moon, this would be the first golf course. Incredibly vast and filled with sand all over the place. You know, and hard, really hard. Yeah. Not for you. You're a good player. No, but I, I've actually enjoyed, this is like the tournament you saw in Florida. I enjoyed seeing different courses that look just totally different than your traditional country club course that, yeah. that you, oh, it does. you get used to. It looks really, it's enormous. It's an enormous piece of property. You could land a 747 on it if they still made 747s. I guess the Air Force One is still a 747 or my, how, I why am I so, asking? Yes. I think it's still a 747, but I don't know. Yes. Anyway, so I played some golf over the weekend and it was, you know, marginal. I, my, my problem is always the same. I go to the range and I hit full. I take full swings. I get on the course and I am nervous about taking full swings. I take more club than I need and take half swings and, I, and there's no success rate to it. On the range, I hit the ball up in the air and on the course, I hit the ball line drives which is just not what's, what you want to so do. What's so infuriating is you're a 20, 21 handicap and you drive the ball like you're a 12. I so do, people, I drive they, it well. You would watch you tee off and think, that guy knows what he's doing. He's getting off the tee. So here's my challenge to you. Just pick one iron. Let's just call it your nine iron, eight iron. Hit it for every single second shot, particularly for a course you know. Just hit it so you have a pitch up on every par Except four. on par fives. Yeah, but right. every single par four hit it so you get into that rhythm that you get on the range and see what it does to your score. I'll do that the next time. It's not I like play. you're putting out. I'm going to do right. That's, that's between right. the legs. Pick that was up. good. I'm going to. I'm going to play tomorrow me, right? morning. But why don't you? So let me just be proud of my son. Um, there is an event at Columbia called the Cummings Cup. The eligibility it it has a limited eligibility because they want the better players to play and they put them back on the tips. What is, what is the quality? But you don't want it to be a super team, so I can't necessarily right. play with some of uh, my friends that you've that you've heard us mention over the years for various tournaments or for A team events because they don't want it to be a runaway. Uh, but but it is designed to have you playing from the back tees, and it is a gross, the two people better that, ball tournament. The two people who play have to have low handicaps, but their combined but handicap has to be over zero. Right, it has to be around six somewhere in I there. Think, I think it's allowed to be lower than that. I'm not sure of the exact number. Okay. So why don't you describe how you played on Friday to begin with? All right, so let's back this up. I've not played in this tournament for about 10 years since I played with Chris O'Hare. Right. And it used to be a 54-hole event, and they'd get you out in the last wave on a Friday. So you'd tee off maybe at 2 to 3, and then they'd have you come back Saturday morning, and they'd, they'd reshuffle based on uh, where you scored the day before, and then you'd play again Saturday afternoon. So 54 holes, but sort of right in a row, and it let you it would let you get back on with your weekend. And you found out that a lot of people just like this now makes a lot of sense. They couldn't get out of work early on the Friday, and that was the that was the tough point. And then the mornings, based on family obligations, were also tough. So I sign up this week thinking I've circled this tournament. I'm not playing in the Maryland Dam this year. I wasn't sure where we were with qualifying and just sort of you know this is months back vaccine availability so i really want to play in this club tournament i arrange it with liz saying it's a friday saturday event they've cut it down to 36 so she's great she takes care of friday preschool pickup we've got coverage on the weekend kate's coming over after high school graduation and i go into the shop about a month ago saying i'd like to sign up honestly what's so great about columbia and this is before the tea time system is getting a, a game together getting paired with somebody that you don't necessarily play with all the time it's great to play right. with you but trying to meet people, particularly across some generations. That's the hallmark, I think, of, of a good club. So it's great. They signed me up. I'm talking to Probe. Uh, Mr. Dolan tells me he's got a great partner for me and Jeff Bankston. And I look at the forecast. Friday afternoon looks terrible. I mean, Friday yeah. morning was raining, so I call up. So my, my tea time still good for 1240? Sure. I time it out. I clean out everything from the golf bag. I get the umbrella. I'm alone on the range. I think everyone must be in the net room, already out on the course. I go to the first tee. Oh, no, my tea time's 12.40 Saturday afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> well, you only missed by a day. Yeah, well, I got a lot of warm-up in. Yeah. Uh, the best is I call up Liz, and I'm like, I'm sorry about this. She had blocked her calendar for work calls, and I was like, do you think I could go out and just play? You know, No, you have to go to the grocery store right now. So we had a great dinner. Uh, but it, uh, that's, the way, that's the way I walked into the weekend, so I had high expectations. So you played on Saturday, and you guys did you, – you were not in the lead, but you were close to the we lead. Were, you we played were, well. Yeah, we were in – in the hunt, as you would say, we were one back, but I thought we'd played well. We, again, this is a this is a better ball tournament, gross. So, 
you know, you're trying to match up birdies and trying to limit bogeys. And we did that really well on Saturday. I made three in a row at one point. And it's, you know, hopefully your play allows for your partner to play a little bit better. And, that, and by that, I mean, if you're making easy pars when they might be in some trouble, does that free them up then to go on their own birdie run or, or to set up close par opportunities where it just makes it a lot you know, easier because you're not sort of double marking on, on every green? Okay, and so you you teed off in the second group, the penultimate group on on Sunday on afternoon. Sunday, and you got people in front of you. And I, I'm just going to interject. One of the people in front is Marty West, and Marty West, as you've heard me say many, 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 many times, is the greatest golfer ever in the history of Columbia. Probably the greatest amateur golfer ever in the history of the Washington D.C. area. He's a great, great player, and it's an honor to play with him, right? You've, you've had the opportunity to play with Marty in your life and Yeah, matches. partnered with him in matches, yeah. And so I show up to the range, and I see Mr. West on the far left side, and I see Mr. Lane Bob Lane on the far right, and I, I just sort of go up to Mr. West and say, if I didn't know you two better, I would think you didn't get along yesterday. <laughs> Maybe you didn't score too well. But it's that thing about golf where you go to positions on the range that suit the way you set up to a ball that suits your eye, that, that help you get the ball flight you're looking for. But they were... 40 spaces uh, set yeah. out. And I had something happen to me on Saturday afternoon. I was going for the green on 17, a little little breeze at the back. And I I tweaked something in my below the right shoulder blade muscle. And it was fine to come in, but I, I did not feel great going to the range uh, yesterday. And so I, I hit like a total of two drives across two days before we went out and played. And I, I was not sure if I'd really be able to play all that it's well. It's a potential yesterday. James Harden situation. Yeah, Taj is like, do you need to go in? I was like, I'll be fine. But uh, no, it was it was nice to get out in front of them because it uh, you, you're not necessarily playing with, you know, the, I don't want to be, you, you don't have the target of saying that's the leader and they're trying to yeah. do live scoring. So, right. and we sort of felt out of it early, but we came back and had a great back nine. And you end up winning. Yeah, we won. And you get, now there's, this is the dilemma. You got glassware. You you cannot you play for two things. You cannot spend glassware, but you cannot display shop credit. <laughs> like you got to take one or the other. You know. Yeah, yeah. I would take the shop credit. No, no, no. This is you play for you play for the glassware, and it's. Uh, I, I was saying this yesterday to some of those who are playing. It's the. It it really feels like the summer of twenty one has kicked off, and it feels like we're moving in a great direction. And, and I know. DC's been fully open now for about a week, and we've been mostly open for about a month now. But to be able to go into the shop, to be paired up with someone, to see the other groups that I've I've played with and played against for so many years, that to me is is such a sign of the return of of what our normal summers look like. Honor and a privilege to beat Marty West doesn't happen very. Well, I often. I thought he was going to chip in for the tie. <laughs> it doesn't doesn't happen very often. So good for you. So uh, the. the the it's a big bowl it's a big what is it this is now going to take the place of the i believe it was the third gross parent child uh, <laughs> chalice that is still prominently displayed in our office yeah okay so that's good so i'm very happy for you i was thrilled i mean when i heard i didn't know what what i did hear at some point last night from carol was that liz had said you were still there uh, waiting for others to come in. And that meant to me, ooh, he's in a position for a playoff. He's in position to get What's a really playoff. nice, so I've been using this sick putter for about two or three months now, and I'm, I'm very much hitting my lines. And I'm making, you know, two 30-foot-plus putts every round, and I'm making a lot of these tricky par putts in the 8 to 10 range. So I'm the reputation's back. So have you considered turning pro at some point? Oh, yes, considering <laughs> that I have a hurt back, I think I'm coming off of what I described as a tendonitis in my knee from doing the Peloton incorrectly. Right. And from the boys climbing on me and kicking me. Yeah, there's yeah. all that. But if you turn pro, you'll have a caddy who'll get you to the tee box the right day. Yeah, <laughs> you know, there's that. You don't have to worry about going in there Friday and wondering, I was in the, I was why in the am right, I the only person I was on in the, the right mental space. The, again, the worst is I cleaned up my entire bag. I was ready, and I called up the shop to confirm the time. And it, and it was the time. It was it the time. It wasn't the right Not date. the date. Time right. and date. We will take a break. Uh, Michael Wilbon will join us when we return. He's very happy because uh, Phoenix has swept Denver. Phoenix is in the conference finals now. They hadn't been in the playoffs in eight to ten years, something like that. So we will return with him. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Remember the feeling you got as a kid of getting tucked into bed or the feeling you get now in the arms of somebody you love, safe and secure? 
It's a feeling of security that only comes through a human connection, and that's why the people at Simply Safe Home Security are so important. Simply Safe has award-winning system that is all the technology bells and whistles you'd expect these days. But it's the people at Simply Safe who take it to the next level. They're there around the clock anytime you need them. And the thing is, Simply Safe just makes it so easy. It takes about two minutes to customize a system on their website, simplysafe.com/tony. Whether it's a fire, a burglary, a medical emergency, a burst pipe, or even a problem when you're setting up the system, Simply Safe has a person with the expertise you need ready to help 24/7. And when you know there's always someone there to help, well, that's a feeling you just don't get with any old security system. To learn, they, they try. The writing, they're trying. It's good. They vary it. They're trying. It's good. It has that touchstone about, you know, security, the feeling well, of security. It's making me think about putting the boys to bed where every night we say, Henry's mother keeps you safe. There you safe go. Safe and secure. There you go. To learn more about how Simply Safe, Simply Safe can help protect you and your family, Visit simplysafe.com slash Tony, simply spelled S-I-M-P-L-I, today to customize your system and to get a free security camera. Wow, free security camera. You'll also get a 60-day risk-free trial, so there's nothing to lose. And that is simplysafe.com slash Tony. Use the code, people. You're listening, You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is Jay Johnson, who's played for us before and we like very much. He writes, hope your summer's off to a great start. I want to reach out with two new tunes I'm releasing for your consideration. Both are singles off my second of four four-song-themed solo EPs in Change. The first, Stuck, will be out on June 18th. That's coming up. It was inspired and pays homage to James Joyce's Dubliners. I'm into that. I read Dubliners, love Dubliners. That's where I first saw the name Michael Fury, which is what I wanted to name my child. Not Michael Philip Jagger, but Michael Fury. But people said you can't name your kid Fury. <laughs> Matty Clauser of the Philly-based band Secret Nudist Friends, great name, recorded and played drums, and I sang and played the other parts, acoustic guitars, bazooki, accordion, and bass. I tried to arrange the song to be like it was played by an Irish rock band, Rock in a Pub in Dublin. It plays in Michael Wilbon, who is happy. He's happy because the team that he likes very much, the Phoenix Suns, has swept the Denver Nuggets, a team that I thought could actually win the NBA Finals. Um, and and let's start with, I know we're going to get to Chris Paul, who's having a great, great playoff. He really is. He's the MVP so far of the playoffs without any question. But let's start with the notion that you and I both have grown up believing that y- you don't... <laughs> You haven't been to the to the playoffs in a long time. You may win one series, but you don't win two. You have to crawl before you walk. There are dues to pay, and that is not the case here. What do you make of that? Chris Paul, you, you can't. Yeah. I know you said we'd get to him in a minute, but we get, right. he's the story. Right. And right. so he's the story of the league, and he's the story of the team in this city, uh, in the valley, as, as it's called here. And, um, yeah, Tony – that he's the story. I mean, I you know, and I got to I got to have a peek behind the the curtain for a while, um, you know, early when this was developing. When this was just developing, uh, the day that Chris Paul knew he was going to be traded here, when, and I couldn't tell anybody, uh, couldn't talk about it. It wasn't official. It could have he could have gone to Philly. He could have gone to the Clippers. Um, he wanted to come here, and he saw. He looked, and he. he, he Dealing with Chris Paul right now, it's like talking to a coach or a GM who can also play. I mean, play at a crazy level. It's That's, like talking to a GM or coach. It's not, it's not like talking to you know, a guy who's been around five years or even ten years, a normal guy. Because when he's assessing Tony, it's several levels above. And so that, that's just who he's been. He's, he's been this person on some level since he was in, like a senior in high school. And so he looked at this. There was, there was one day... Look, when he came, and he could play with Booker, and he knew Booker was great, or potentially great. And he was like, okay, you know, we, we can be good. In other words, Chris Paul was, it wasn't about the playoffs to him. He was already in the playoffs. People would say, oh, they got Chris Paul. They're going to be in the playoffs. Yeah, he was beyond that. And there was one day, I want to say it was in February, when I got a call from Chris, and he just said, dude, we can be really, really good. That's how he said it. And I knew when he said that, that the, he meant they could beat, like, most people in the playoffs. When he said he felt that way, 
And then it just became a matter of, okay, is this going to play out the way he thinks it can play out? So he's, he's, that's how this has happened, Tony. It's just him and Jay Crowder. It's just him and Jay Crowder who've been in the playoffs. You're, so, you're 100% right. Yeah. You know, and, and, he, and he, Chris knows this. I mean, there was one day in which, you know, somebody asked him last week, what are you going to tell the guys now that you're in the second round? And Chris said, I know exactly what I'm going to tell them. Go home, take a nap, eat properly, let's practice hard. This is hard stuff. We are not skipping any step. And that's so when you say, what's the difference? That's it. Because he knows they don't know. As good as Booker is, Booker doesn't know he's never been in the playoffs. So, you know, Mikhail Bridges and Aiton, they, they, they've never been in the playoffs. And Chris knows that. And so he is telling them, to their faces and through media interviews, hey, you don't know, you're going to listen to me. You're going to listen to the old man here. And Monty, yeah. same thing. Those guys are tied, they're tied at the hip, Tony. And so the two of them, you know, are in charge of coaching and leading this team respectively. And so that's... That's how they're able to get through two rounds. They've won seven straight playoff games. That's ne- Charles never did that. Paul Westfall never did that. Tom Chambers and Kevin Johnson never did that. Steve Nash and Amari Stoudemire never did This franchise never won seven straight playoff games. And these guys have. And so there's a lot there. It's, it's, just, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fairly, you know, for, for the basketball part of it, for the nerds, it's a fairly incredible basketball story. So there is, there is also um, in this, there is a personal story because Chris Paul has failed in the playoffs every single time and he's been hurt in the playoffs almost every single time and he got hurt in the first round of the playoffs against the Lakers. Now, he looked great yesterday and has looked great for a couple of games, but I'm wondering in the back of his mind, does he always say, when is it going to happen? Because it always nah, happens. He's not that kind of guy. That's not, his, that's not, not who he is. Nope. Okay. That's just not who he is. Um, he's not a cynic. He's not a skeptic. He goes for it. He's changed his life several. He's changed his life in dramatic ways. I mean, his diet. I mean, I gotta, I gotta go back and get this because I'm sure. While this was probably off the record stuff, it doesn't need to be. This is funny because he was. We're talking about getting older, and I'm like, dude, you're getting older, and my getting older are not the same. They're different. <laughs> Dude, they're not the same. And Chris says, no, they are. They are. You can. There's certain stuff you can change. I'm gonna get you to start eating. And Tony, if you heard it, you would just say, "He's me, me. He'd rather die than eat like it's like Tom Brady stuff." Oh, it, it is. is. It really okay. is. Okay, all right. Because because these guys, this is what they believe. They believe that they can do, they can maintain their best if there are certain things they commit to. If sacrifice is at the forefront of it, it's fascinating to listen to. It's fascinating to to hear, and um, I, you know. Yeah, Tony, he's had, he's been hurt. I mean, the most famous one is just three years ago, 2018. To me, you know, I thought they were going to beat Golden State. And Chris pulls a hamstring. I think it was a hamstring, yeah. It was yeah. a hamstring in late in that series. And I think it was in game five. And they couldn't win six or seven, even, even though they were up 3-1. I think that's the way that went. I was there. I just forget now. And so, yes, yes, he's had these things. And they do not. Determined, they they do not break his spirit. They have not, and so it, did it's you, that spirit that infuses the team. It really, it sounds corny, but it's it's absolutely true. Did you think Jokic should have gotten a two and not yeah. a one? Yes, yes, okay. yes, yes. You can't wind up. You can't wind up and come down at two hundred and seventy pounds across somebody's face. You can't do that. Okay. And Tony, it's Michael Malone's fault. He's he's he. he berated his team, and he made Jokic do that. He never, he never accepted, you know, made an exception of Jokic when he said, my team didn't play hard. He never did. He never said except Jokic, who played like the MVP, still, right? He never did that. Now, he won't own it, because people don't own anything anymore. And so I doubt he'll own it. But he is the one who basically said, go out there and give me 1990s bad boy Pistons or else you guys are soft. He called them that. So he produced that. Michael Malone produced that. And by the way, when Jokic got thrown out, and I'm probably the only person, I'm sitting in a restaurant in a a place, a joint, a cool place, a place where you can have great food and watch on a million flat screens. I hate to call it a sports bar because it's better than that. And I'm sitting there watching. I'm the only one who probably thinks when Jokic goes out, I'm like, you people... 
you people screaming in this restaurant in Scottsdale, you think you want Jokic out, and it looks like you do, and strategically we'd all opt for that, but you don't want this because they're going to play with a fury now. I said, they're going to get this thing to two or three points, and then we'll see. And Denver did get it to three points. They might have got it to two. Um, I wasn't keeping a notebook sitting there eating wings or whatever I was eating, but it was um, – it, it, it was too bad, Tony, that it had to play out like that. But if you're going to have that rule, and, you're, and part of what the rule states is you can't wind up and come down with force. And not only did he do that, he made contact. And by the way, Jokic didn't complain. You hear him out, you probably didn't hear his postgame. First of all, Jokic goes over and he apologized to Kim I saw it. I right, saw it. Okay, so, so that act alone, which is so... It is, it, is, it is so gracious. Right? It is so much more than the moment had to have usually in sports. But it had it. So once he does that, he is saying, I know I did this and I'm sorry. That was an act of extreme sportsmanship. It will not be examined around the country the way it should be because people are too stupid and all they can analyze is numbers. And they can't so, quantify something so they won't do it. But that was an, that was an extremely gracious moment in sports in the context in which it is played and competed today. And that moment was caused by his head coach. Now let me and move then, off that for a second. Okay. Not, I mean, I'm okay with that, but you mentioned hamstrings before with Chris Paul. Hamstrings brings us to Brooklyn. Oh, Brooklyn, yeah. Brooklyn, the team that I believe, if healthy, wins the NBA Finals. I, I right. believe that. But one guy's got a hamstring, which comes back – in an unknown way, you know, whenever. I mean, yep. it has a mind of its own. And now another guy's got an ankle problem. Um, and and Milwaukee has won two in a row. And I, I, I'm stunned. How about you? No, I'm not, I picked them. I picked Milwaukee. So yeah, I, but you thought they were terrible in the first yeah, two games. Still, I didn't think they were terrible. They were terrible. They were, right. They were down by 49 in game two. That's so right. they were That's terrible. Right. Right. Um, the question now is, can Kyrie Irving be the person that in my household he has always put beneath on the scale of great small point guards? Can he be Isaiah Thomas? Mm -hmm. We know what Isaiah Thomas can do on almost a broken ankle. Because Isaiah Thomas had one of the great couple of games ever, with all due respect to the captain, Lewis Reed, Isaiah Thomas had like 33 points or something on an ankle he couldn't walk on. So can Kyrie Irving be that? Because that's what may be required. We all know James Harden's condition. I suspect Harden may get out there and try it. But we, yes. we, we've seen already with Anthony Davis getting out and trying something. And LeBron James, getting out and trying something doesn't mean you're going you're gonna to win. And this is what I kept saying to, to you and everybody else all year long. You don't walk off the street and, and maintain championship form. And so the Lakers weren't able to do it, and I have my doubts about Brooklyn. Um, and, you know, Milwaukee's got to be looking at this with all of their – you talk about heartache and, and the way that it's supposed to play out for Phoenix. That's the way it has played out for Milwaukee, heartbreak. Yeah. They've got to be looking at this saying, here we go. Let's go and pound these – and if they're not smart enough, if they're not smart enough to tell Antetokounmpo, get your big behind near the basket, keep it in the paint, then they should fire their coach at halftime. Because the, you, we, saw, we saw yesterday when Antetokounmpo plays like that, Tony, it just, it, that's how he has to play. This notion that you have to shoot threes, I mean, I, you know, I mean, th this is just insane. Everybody doesn't have to shoot them. He doesn't. So can they be Brooklyn? Yeah, they can be Brooklyn now. Um, I, I don't know if they will. I don't know if they have what it takes to, to, to maintain that kind of discipline the, play they play, the way they played yesterday. Are you, by the way, um, having gone to Europe and watched soccer and telling me about that all the time, are you watching the, the Euro? Are you watching I watched it? Yes, I, yeah. wa I watched more on Saturday. Yesterday, for me, was a, the first day in sports, like, pre-pandemic. I mean, the Cubs played a series against the Cardinals. It really fit. Yeah, but Cubs are good. Been in Chicago, I would have gone to all three games. Um, they played that series. It was completely captivating for those of us who were not captivated by Yank Sox. And it, was a, it wasn't contentious. There were no near fights. Well, maybe there was one. There was not really much of that. But it was just, 
you know, baseball played at a really high level, and the Cubs, who everybody gave up on, including their management, because they got rid of you, Darvish. And now what is it they're looking for as we approach the deadline? We're way away from it. They're going to have to go get a starting pitcher. But they're in first place, and the White Sox are in first place. I might have, I might have gone to both ballparks. Well, I guess the White Sox were in Detroit. And so I didn't watch as much soccer, Tony. And I, I watched some I watched snippets. Like I watched England, and I happened to see their goal. They won 1-0. And, you know, there were a couple of fascinating games and matchups, none as fascinating to me as France-Germany. But, yeah, now that after going to World Cup, not only did I go to World Cup, I, mean, I went to a Premier League game uh, in 19. So it's less than two years ago. I went to a Premier League game, and I've been to the World Cup. And so, yeah, I have an actual interest. Is it fascination? Yeah. Is it going to lead me to watch every game? No, it's not going to lead to that, particularly not during the NBA playoffs. But, um, yeah, and I, I, I did not watch – the young man who collapsed. I'm, I'm glad I wasn't watching that. I you just, don't want to watch I, that. I, I, yeah, nobody wants to see that. You know, didn't watch that. But I mean, I mean, I'm watching. So Tony, and I, I will. I think I'll get to the point now where I knew, I learned enough young guys, uh, particularly on the great teams during the World Cup, that I still recognize who they are and what they can do and sort of their their talents on a larger level. And I can bug somebody like Kelleher or like Julia, and I can say, okay, this is the guy who did this three years ago, fill me in, and I can, I can maintain an interest having seen a couple of games, a few games in person. So, yeah, I'm kind of, okay. I'm not going to say you're lying, say I'm into it, but it, it meant more to me than the French Open this time, even though uh, the French Open was fascinating in the end. Um, and I know mm. your favorite did not win. Nope, um, did not. But, nope. I, you know, but I, I'm more interested in that right now than I was in the French Open. Okie dokie. All right, I'll talk to you later. Thank Bye, you. Tom. Michael Wilbon, boys and girls. Michael Wilbon, we will come back. Liz Clark, speaking of the French Open, we will come back and we will talk to Liz Clark about the French Open. When we return, I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the X chair, Reed. And I can tell you how much I like the X chair that I have. I like it so much that I moved it up to the set in the attic so I do PTI sitting in the X chair every day. I can also tell you that Jody Forstott uh, bought an X chair, and Sam Neill has bought an X chair. So there, there is... The list is growing. Yes. As people look at the X chair and sit in the X chair, they buy the X chair. The secret is not only their patented dynamic variable lumbar support, A DVL. DVL, which offers unbelievable lumbar support to your lower back, but now thanks to their new X HMT technology. Try, they want you to say this. Try saying it. XHMT technology. It's hard to say X that out loud. HMT technology. I can also get heat and massage therapy while I'm sitting at my desk. I might need that for my back. Like, <laughs> it, it, I don't know how to do it, but Michael knows how to do it. So you could go upstairs later and you could sit in it and you could get... The XHMT delivers heat and massage technology to your core, helping increase blood flow, muscle recovery, and energy, stuff you need. All perks that make working from home or the office a joy. It has four different massage modes and fast-warming heat technology for therapy. X-Chair is on sale now for $100 off. Just go to xchairtony.com now. That's the letter X, the word chair, and then tony.com, or you can call one 844 for X Chair. X Chair has a 30 day guarantee of complete comfort, and you can finance your purchase for as little as $30 a month. Go to XChairTony.com now. Use the code XWheels for free X Wheel Blade Casters. Cool. XChairTony.com. Use the code, people. This, this is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. We're back with Jay Johnson. This song is called Now We're Three. It'll be out Friday, June 25th. This one features Noli Morris of Kelsey Cork and the Swigs, another great Philly band on the drums. And Jay sings and plays guitar and electric piano and bass. He said, I wanted to write the simplest song with the simplest point of tension I could. In Change will be out on Spotify. That's his EP. Bandcamp and all the streaming platforms on July 9th. Uh, his folk rock band, Three Yards to Dover, will be heading back into the studio for an EP next month as well. He also says he was completely happy to hear Hollow Bill on the show a few weeks back. So Jay listens. Uh, Michael, if people like Jay Johnson want to send us their original music, how do they do it? 
Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at tonykornizershow.com. All right, Liz Clark joins us. In past years, she has been in Paris at Roland Garros um, to watch the French Open. Not this year, um, but you watched it when it was important on TV, and I watched it too. And I want to start with the women because my theory about the French Open is that it is of the four majors— it is the one that most consistently offers up people as winners that you have never heard of in your life. Never heard of. Men's side and women's side. Um, I'd never heard of, who was that guy? Um, Kuka? Who was that guy a few years back? Quirton, I think his name was. Oh, Gustavo from, Quirton, the Brazilian. Yeah, never heard brilliant. of him. And he, yes. and he won a couple of times. I'd yes. never heard of Michael Chang. I'd never heard of him when he yes. won the French Open. 30 years ago. So the two women in the final, I'm not even going to try and pronounce their names. I'm not going to even try. But I had never heard of them, and I wasn't alone because one was unseated and one was seated 31st. And you only used to have eight seeds or 12 seeds or 16 seeds, and now you're 31st. Who are these people? Yes. Um, let let me just blurt out though. So yes, I I covered you know uh, by watching on TV, but then that's how most reporters have to do it in this pandemic. Yes. And then you get on yeah. Zoom interviews with the winners and losers. So there there is you know the chance to interview the finalists. So who are they? So the winner Barbora Krajikova is Czech, and. Um, if you're totally into tennis, you would have known her as a doubles player. Um, that's primarily where she made her name. She won a couple slams in doubles. And, in fact, she ended up winning the slams in doubles after winning, um, you know, the French Open. So she, she came away with two trophies. Just oh, here good in, for her. In, in, yeah, awesome. Um, but she has, a, you know, a, a really varied, interesting game, as, you, as most doubles players do. Um, and she was coached notably by Yana Novotna, the late um, Czech who won Wimbledon after a very tearful loss to Steffi Graf. If you're old enough, you remember the trials of Yana Novotna, which were very heartwarming um, when she ultimately won Wimbledon. And then her opponent, uh, a young Russian, Again, if you're a total tennis geek, you would have remembered her 15 years ago when she was the world's top junior at age 14, Anastasia Pavlyuchinkova. So both the OVAs that, um, you know. It's uh, OVA. It's OVA. all yeah. OVA. Yeah. Oh, OVA. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, but she, you know. You know, many times we see young female phenoms burn out or flame out in the Capriati vein, and then sometimes you see them just have meteoric success still as a teen, like Monica Seles. Um, And Anastasia just kind of faded to obscurity, kept playing, kept at it, um, but never really made a, a ripple um, as, as, a, as a grown woman until, of course, uh, this past weekend, reaching the final of the French, which is awesome. It would not surprise you if neither of these women ever won any of the other majors, right? Would not surprise you at all. Yeah, correct. Yeah, just because huh. not nothing to diss them, because I think Krajikova in particular is just has such a delightfully varied game um, and, and showed a real will, um, mental, mental strength in this in, through all this. Um, but, but it also speaks to just kind of, you know, the, I don't want to say chaos. I don't know what the word is, but, and I don't want to say randomness, but women's tennis is just very hard to predict. Now, people who love women's tennis would say this is a testament to its depth that so many women can win, but I think it's also suffering from a super dominant player who is the benchmark right now. Obviously, that's Serena, but, you know, it's been a Mm -hmm. while since she's, she's won a slam. I'm going to get to that in a second. There is that you wrote about a very touching story with with Jana Novotna and the winner yeah. and what she did afterwards. If you could just oh. tell people about that, yes. Yeah, so um, when uh, Krajikova was was working on her game as a teenager, she learned that Jana Novotna, the great Czech, and, and you had mentioned her. Um, you know, along with, of course, Martina Navratilova, that she lived not far from from her hometown. And so her mother said, well, go see her. So she knocks on her door and, um, and at, 18, at 18 and says, can you please help me with my game? Just give me some advice. And Novotna, 
at that point, it's like, no, I will, I will coach you. I will travel with you. I want to show you what I've learned. So they had this wonderful bond. And then at 49, Novotna got cancer. And excuse my trembling in my voice. It's okay. And um, so she's suffering from cancer. And, um, and Barbara just insists on going to see her and spending time with her. And, and she recounted you know, eat, with each round at this French Open, she would look to the heavens and, and think of Novotna. And then she said after winning this that, um, you know, her last words, Novotna's last words were, you know, just enjoy, just have fun and go win a slam. And so she, she truly felt, you know, with reason that Novotna wanted her to do this and, and willed her to do it. That was very poignant. So I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention <clears throat> that the number one player in the world and the number two player in the world on the women's side both withdrew from the French Open. Correct. Both withdrew, opening Correct. up a lot of stuff. But what do, you, what do you make of that? And more specifically, in the case of Naomi Osaka, yeah. when is she coming back? And oh. if and when she does come back, will, will the rules about the things that are the lifeblood of journalism – Will they change? Yes. So I would piggyback on that. The number three seed withdrew. She withdrew before the tournament began, Simona Halep. So, okay. so in effect, you know, after uh, the second round, uh, the, the French Open was without the top three seeds in the women's game, um, top three ranked players. Um, so I, I make of that, you know, Two were injuries. Ash Barty had a hip injury, uh, suffered in the tournament. Simona Halep had a calf injury, suffered in the, in the prior tournament. And Osaka, of course, is, is in many ways the most wrenching um, and, and difficult, uh, complicated, uh, emotionally charged situation where she announced, you know, uh, on social media that she would not be doing media in the tournament because you know, she was trying to safeguard her mental health. And the tournament came down hard on her. Uh, a lot of fans came down hard on her and the media. And then she came um, a day later uh, after winning her first round match um, when she got the fine or the day after she withdrew saying she didn't want to be a further distraction. Um, and then she subsequently withdrawn from the next tournament she had entered, which is a grass court event. Obviously, the second the French ends, everyone switches to grass because Wimbledon is coming up soon, and there's no more dramatic or radical turnaround um, in surfaces. It's a super big challenge to switch from a clay court game to a grass court. So you'd, you'd expect if you're going to contend at Wimbledon, you'd enter one of these tune-ups. So so Naomi has withdrawn from that, and I think everyone is braced for what's going to happen at Wimbledon. You know, will she compete, as of course she's entered, or will she withdraw? Um, and again, she has left it open-ended. She said she needed to step away uh, to work on, and she she provided additional information that that changed the um, the nature of her reasons. Um, I mean, I'm very torn about. For me, I did a 180. I fully understood and, and had great empathy when she came with the second statement. I feel somewhat guilty for that because, like, why should she have to disclose her personal, you know, medical battles? But, but nonetheless, she explained she had been battling depression since 2018, a very um, emotionally charged uh, U.S. Open final that she won against Serena. Um, so she'd been battling depression since then and was also battling anxiety, not over so much the questions that are asked in press conferences, but the prospect of having to answer questions, of having to speak extemporaneously. And as I think Wilbon has shared with you and your listeners, um, it's, it's just a the tragedy is compounded because she gives wonderful interviews. She She's a beautiful, colorful, fresh open, extemporaneous speaker. That said, in her mind, it, it's very traumatic to do that, yet she does outstanding at it. I just want people to know what a delightful interview she is and how much you learn from, from her answers, how expansive she is. So to your point, um, I surely hope 
she doesn't miss a second slam. Um, and, you know, I have to wonder if an underlying source of anxiety we cannot fathom is the media crush she will face at the Tokyo Olympics um, when she competes for Japan. And she is a, she's a global star as it is, but uh, certainly she will be the star at, at the Tokyo mm-hmm. Olympics. And so at, whether she chooses a really small grass court tournament, Wimbledon or the Olympics, it will be... I, I am afraid just a tsunami of focus on her and her personal health issues, um, unless it's super managed uh, effectively by either her her um, her agent or tournament officials. And, and there's a couple ways you could go with that, but uh, it's not going to be easy her first tournament back on any level. I want to get to Djokovic, but before I do, I want to ask about Serena. Have we reached the point where you, as somebody who's watched tennis for many years, believes that Serena Williams will not win any more majors? Well, I, you know, the the the, the percentage is is pretty small at this point, given the fact that there are other women younger women who are not automatically um, cowed by her power and her reputation. You know, there's a generation younger that hits just as hard and can return serve. So there's that, you know, it's sort of like we saw, and it's your sport, golf, it's certainly not mine, but but there was something hard to pinpoint when Tiger lost his edge that had not so much to do with Tiger, but that the, the players he competed against they they thought they could win, you know, unlike unlike before. It's like, well, you know, you just sense that people didn't think they had a chance when, when he was at their prime. But I think there's a lot of young women who think they have a chance in tennis. Okay. So that's part of it. Serena's turning 40. Um, if she does not win this Wimbledon, I do not think she will win another major. I think the best chance is Anon. It's, um, you know, in two weeks or, you know, four okay. weeks when it's over. I said I would get to Djokovic. I do not like Djokovic. I've said that many times. Mm. I don't want to um, dismiss him from mm. history. Uh, he fell the first set to Nadal, although I did watch that. And Nadal looked strangely old, even when he was winning 5-1, when I tuned, tuned into that. He lost the first two to Tsitsipas, and then he came back. He's a great tennis player. He's a great tennis player, and sort of remarkably to me, fluent in a bunch of languages. But oh, yeah. where... Where do you where do you put him? Because I believe that he is Larry Holmes following Muhammad Ali, that I don't care what his record is. I don't think he's as good as Federer. I don't think he's as great as Laver. I don't think he's as great as Sampras or Borg. I don't, but maybe I am being very narrow in what I'm looking at here. You know, I, I kind of love this conversation, even though it's going to sound like full of equivocations on my part, because I'm mm-hmm. really kind of aligned with you on this. Um, yet, okay, so after what he achieved at the French, it, it seems clear to me he will overtake Federer yes. and Nadal for yes, most majors. And, yes. and he has already overtaken them in winning all four slams more than once. They haven't done that. Um, he may well this year win a calendar Grand Slam. He's won two of the two contested, and, right. and the next two surfaces are his strengths. So, plus, he has the every four-year opportunity to win an Olympic gold medal, which he's not done. So if you win a calendar year Grand Slam and the Olympic gold, um, only one person has done that. That's Steffi Graf. That's the Golden Slam. So in every metric, if you're a stats person. He's going to check off. I have no doubt. Um, So if you're the type of sports fan who says all answers reside in stats, it's an unassailable case. Um, For me, I look at tennis also as an art form. And and I just think it's such a beautiful game, both physically and mentally, an, an art of mentality and an art of, of movement, of grace. And, uh, and, and on that, you know, Federer will always be for me 
the greatest player in terms of beauty, natural affinity, you know, the way he elevated the game, the, the way in which the marriage of the game and player were just so perfect. Um, and I'm speaking as if he's dead. He's not. He, he will be at Wimbledon. But, um, but I can't make the aesthetic argument that Djokovic is greatest of all time. And then in my heart, also, Nadal is is the greatest of all time, kind of temperamentally. And in, in, in that, for me, includes sportsmanship, um, absolute, you know, giving all. And, and I'm quite aware Djokovic expends all, too. But there is something just so gracious about the way Nadal has always handled himself from teenage years to this moment. So gracious that, that I love and that to me is part of being a great sports person, sports person. Um, so, so that's my answer. And, and it may sound all over the map, but that's where I stand. It's lovely. It's lovely just to hear you talk. It makes me very happy. It does. (laughs) Um, all right. Thanks. We will we will talk again soon because we'll talk during Wimbledon. I'm sure. Okay. Okay. All right. Bye bye. Liz Clark, boys, boys and girls. Like really seriously, it's just lovely to hear Liz talk. Lovely. We will take a break. We will come back with email and a jingle. I am Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. In comparison to just listening to Liz Clark, this read is going to be as light. As the Breeze Collection, summer is coming in hot. <laughs> Literally, we're talking two-a-days, and you know what that means. This is the underpants read. I'm so glad Mom came into the room for this one. But with MeUndies breathable and soft-as-heck fabrics, you can soak up the sun and feel cool for the summer. With a mix of classic colors and adventurous prints perfect for summer, express yourself in your own unique way. Because MeUndies believes that comfort is more about what's uh, they believe it's more about comfort. It's about feeling comfortable in your skin. So I mentioned the Breathe, Breathe Collection. They also have the new Stretch Organic Cotton Fantastic. Collection, uh, along with the Pride Collection. So go uh, check those out. Today is a bicycle day. And if you're in the Miendi's family, you know what that means. Oh, you're wearing bicycle, bicycle underpants? Thanks, Dad. Well, you just sort of said it just straight <laughs> ahead. Said, I'm just asking. Well, I'm just not going to answer for that. a friend. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Designed to be the softest thing you've ever worn, MeUndies are energized by creativity and made for self-expression. Available in sizes from extra small to 4XL, MeUndies has countless styles and prints to choose from. So you can have more fun. MeUndies are, are, have a great offer for you, uh, listeners. For any first-time purchasers, you will get 15% off and free shipping. MeUndies also has their problem-free philosophy. If you're not satisfied with any product for any reason, they'll refund or exchange it. No caveats, no questions. I'm sure just uh, MeUndies marries the game of the technology and just the feel and the sportsmanship when it comes to this pivotal world of underpants. Uh, pivotal. <laughs> totally pivotal. <laughs> underpants. <laughs> They'll refund or exchange it, no caveats, no questions. To get your 15% off your first order and free shipping, go to MeUndies.com slash Tony K. That's MeUndies.com slash Tony K. It's a wonderful read. Thanks, Dad. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. He's got your emails and your notes. He'll read them for all you folks. Because it's the mailbag. Yeah, it's the mailbag. If you drive a car, no Subaru. If you try to fax, fax no, that won't do. If you went to camp, he might pick you. If you send free stuff, you'll get right through. Mailbag. It's great, Sean. We look forward to seeing Sean tomorrow. Sean's going to come down. Very happy about that. Uh, Nigel, why don't you do the Bethesda bagel ad? We got bagel sandwiches today. Yes, always a great day when we get bagel sandwiches from Bethesda Bagels. All you need to do is go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in and you will be thrilled. Uh, That'll do it for the show today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say the Rangers had a homecoming in Harlem late last night. And the magic rat drove a sleek machine over the Jersey State line. Barefoot girls sitting on the hood of a Dodge drinking warm beer in the soft summer rain. The rat pulls into town, rolls up his pants. Together they take a stab at romance and disappear down Flamingo Lane. There are those of you who think that uh, Bruce Springsteen's greatest songs are, well, whatever you think they are. 
maybe from the 9-11 album or maybe, you know, the early album. And they're great, right? They're great. Thunder Road is a great song. It's a great song. But the majesty of Jungle Land uh, makes it, to me, his most wonderful song and poignant song. There's a line in there, the poets down here, they don't write nothing at all. They just stand back and let it all be. It's just a great tune. Thanks to our guests today, Michael Wilbon, Liz Clark. Thanks to our sponsors, Me Undies, Simply Safe, X Chair. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Odyssey. If you get the show through iTunes, please leave us a review. From Jackson Grishow in Grays Lake, Illinois. This spring, you introduced me to the genius of Andy Beyer. It is incredible that he picked two out of the three Triple Crown winners. But you also forget that his Preakness pick, Midnight Bourbon, was in the lead going yes. into the final stretch and only lost by a few lengths. I've really enjoyed the gruff, exquisite way he waxes poetic about horse racing. Uh-huh. It has given me a new <laughs> understanding and new respect for the sport, even if there are a couple of junky horses out there. My question to you is, how good is Andy at picking other sports? Basketball games, baseball games, dog pageants, ostrich racing. Please let me know. I think there's money to be made here. Andy doesn't do that. It's what he does. Andy does horses. That's it. From Frank Lynch in Park City, Utah, by way of Northern Virginia. Um, as COVID abates and the country slowly gets back to normal, few things are more exciting than the Red Butte summer concert schedule in Salt Lake City. Think Wolf Trap by the Mountains. The schedule was released today. I excitedly look for shows that I can hop in my Subaru to attend that were of any interest. I was stopped dead in my tracks to see that Dan Byrne was playing with some guy named Roger Daltrey. I know that guy, at least as I know anyone on the show. Will he play an all Nat set or some kind of homage to Wilbon? Totally seems like a chance for a little discount. Can't wait. Wonder if the other guy is any good. Roger Daltrey has a certain history here. Dan Byrne playing with Roger Daltrey. you got to get in touch with Dan Byrne. Yes. Well, what, I, yeah, that and, must be so thrilling for Dan Byrne, don't you think? And party for the encore. Yeah, it's just great. Rory Kimberlin in Gardner, Maine. A few weeks ago, my nine-year-old daughter came running into the house, screaming that a blue jay was trying to kill her. While I dutifully checked the area for a nest, I mostly assumed she was exaggerating for attention. The next day, my wife gave a yelp from the other end of the house. It seemed she had opened a bedroom window. The cat jumped up to the sill, and immediately a blue jay swooped in and bounced off the screen trying to get the cat. Perhaps the animal revolution is now indeed taking flight. From Mark in Fairfax, Virginia. In the description of your recent encounter with that aggressive bird, you forgot to answer the most important question, block or charge. I'm guessing since you were walking Chessie, your feet weren't planted. So the answer is obviously charge. From Robbie in Salisbury, Maryland, about 30 miles north, 30 minutes north of Rivera. In listening to the bird story from last week, you said you were hit, quote, in the head and shoulders, unquote, by said bird. As someone who aspires to be the official bird referee of the podcast, I must say that this qualifies as targeting, and the bird should have been ejected for the rest of the day. If the attack <laughs> happened afternoon, he should have had to sit for the first half of the next day. That would have really given him something to squawk about. If it happens again, make sure you call a timeout so the booth has a chance to review. From Brett Bossy in Buffalo, New York, I enjoyed Jeff Passan being on your show, not only for his baseball analysis, but also because it is my one real David Aldridge moment. I know Jeff, or more accurately used to know him, and we were both student journalists at Syracuse. Yeah, that's right. Eat it, Saliza. <laughs> I was in TV and radio. He worked for the Daily Orange newspaper, learning from people like Pete Thamel, the bane of my existence, Pete Thamel, who tried to kill Binghamton University. We covered things like Syracuse basketball games, trying to come up with a question for Jim Beheim that wouldn't get too prickly a response. If memory serves, the last time I saw Jeff was at Fenway Park in September 2004. I had a rare chance to cover a game for the TV station I worked for. I believe Jeff was covering the Royals for the Kansas City Star and had convinced his bosses to let him cover a pennant race between two teams at the apex of their rivalry when the Royals were an also-ran. It's no surprise he climbed the ladder and is now a leading voice in all of Major League Baseball, and it's always a treat to hear him on your show. One more David Aldridge moment. I just finished listening to your Friday, June 11th show, and I had a David Aldridge moment during the jingle. 
as you said, this is a real singer. It's Darius Rucker. And I said, hey, I know that guy. Well, no might be too strong a word, more like I've met that guy. I was drinking at a small dive bar in Charleston a couple of years ago when Darius Rucker and a few of his friends walked in. He called the bartender over and told her he was ordering the entire bar around of shots and any drinks ordered while he was at the bar were to go on his tab. He continued to buy shots at the bar every 10 to 15 minutes for the next hour or so before he left and paid every tab at the bar. I had no idea he was a little, but I think I should have been tipped off when he gave me the TK salute when we were getting a picture together. And it says, picture C below. And indeed, yes, there it is. That's so great. P.S. I'm a Clemson fan, and I've been ribbing him about his alma mater, South Carolina, as this was the night before the two teams faced off. Hence the TK salute while we were getting a picture. Dan Fay from Boston, not Rivera. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. Ah! <laughs> Three.